This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D and Will Knox. Broadcasting from the HJL Hospitality and Evolve Studios in LA and KZSB AM 1290 and FM 96.9 Santa Barbara or somewhere from the road. And now, Mr. Restaurant. Well, nuts. Will Knox, I am he, Will Knox, in the studio today with Larry Lorenzo Nicola. I got to tell you, folks, uh, there's nobody else that I know in the business of restaurants who is as hospitable and as conceptual as Larry Lorenzo Nicola. Larry, Welcome. I'm going to refer to you as Larry, Lorenzo, or... Anything you'd like. It's all good. There we go. You know, welcome to Mr. Restaurant. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being on the show today. You know, you you, you really have uh, quite a history of, um, you know, not just restaurant development, but you got a way with people, and you've got a way with uh, food and marketing and business and... You know, what I'd really like to do is explore your origins. Where were you born and where did you really get this kind of knack for restaurant touring? Well, I'm a a Silver Lake guy. I was born in Silver Lake and my father had a market there. My father and his twin brother, Nicola Twins Market. It was on the corner of Sunset and Fountain for 45 years and uh, not only was my father in, in the meat business and market, but uh, my grandmother, uh, Nabiha, was uh, kind of the host to the Lebanese community. She cooked all the bread for the, for the church, and she was the big caterer, and she taught Shakespeare and Arabic. She was a pretty dynamic woman. And, uh, but I really was in, in – well, there was food all around me. We, we catered. We had parties all the time. But I learned really to, to, to cut meat and, and groceries and stuff in my dad's market. And, but I got this real passion, this real love to feed people from my grandmother. And I, when she washed my hands as a little child, she washed it with ivory soap. And if you could remember that feeling, it was like she gave me the love to feed people and the, uh, the ability to, to, to understand food and through her hands. And I give her a lot of credit for that. Then, of course, learning from my dad, my uncles and my mother, of course, and all the, all the food. And we had a we're Lebanese, uh, 110 percent Lebanese. So we were always cooking. And I learned uh, the, 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 the style of our cooking pretty well. And that's so I've carried it through my life. And I've never had any Lebanese restaurant till just now. But I but I have that passion for my heritage. So you're second generation. Your, your dad uh, or your, your grandmother actually emigrated here. To the states, yeah, my grandparents came through Ellis Island. My parents are from North Dakota and West Virginia. 
They went from Ellis Island to North Dakota. How did that come about? I don't know. Somebody had a somebody had a room up there. You know, they the immigrants come and they have they go where their relatives are and, and they, they go where their relatives them. are. Exactly. So yeah. then then they settled in in L.A. and then you get into this world of cutting meat in the marketplace and all the rest. Did you ever contemplate any other business than being around food and and hospitality? I mean, how did hospitality get into your no, blood? I, I, when I was when I was a little kid, I had an idea for a, a restaurant called Larry's Octagon, and it had uh, uh, different foods in different corners, eight eight corners, eight sides, and it had eight different foods with the United Nations of seating in the middle. So I was always uh, always concerned with how people get fed, uh, how 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 you find good ingredients, how you touch food, and how you serve food. So I was always 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 been a restaurant guy. And did you go to uh, traditional schooling and go to college, or did you just come out of high school and say I'm I'm in the rough and tumble world? Well, I always wanted to be in the restaurant business, but I never knew exactly where. But when I um, before I opened my first restaurant, I was in the wholesale produce business. So I was in every restaurant from from Chasen's to Yesterday's to Old World. All those restaurants were, were my were my my clients. So I was in all those restaurants. So I was learning about uh, the restaurant business in the, in the early in the uh, 70s and the late 70s. And um, and then I. Had I started the wholesale produce business. Then I saw this building. I was at my dad's market on Sunset Boulevard, and somebody sent me a, a photo from a, a, a restaurant in Austria. And it was this two-story building and with flowers in front. It was a beautiful restaurant. And I, I looked at this postcard that I looked across the street. And there was the same building, but that building across the street was boarded up. So I went and asked them what they're doing with this building. And they said, no, we're leaving. I said, well, I want to rent it. So I rented it and raised the money and opened my first restaurant. And that was, uh, I, there was, uh, I had eight guys from the varsity football team from Marshall High, including Michael Rotundi, the famous architect from Morphosis, uh, to help me open my first restaurant. So I was kind of blessed with having a, a real great design guy. And plus, every, all the trades were all around me. My brother was the contractor and we opened this restaurant and I really didn't know too much about it, but I never really thought about it. People say, well, I can't do that. I go, well, don't think about it. Just do it, you know, and we did it. And uh, it was a successful restaurant for about 13, 14 years. So you got the inspiration for this particular building from another building in Austria that literally mimicked the building that you're in? It was the your exact first same, venture. That exact same How cosmic building. was that? Yeah, it was, it was weird. Just it, it, it was it was kind of God saying, here you go, buddy. And, and what was that first concept? L.A. Nicola. And what LA was Nicola. the what was the concept of the of the food and the ambiance? I mean, how did this come to you? Every restaurant I've had has been my original food. It just it was it was, uh, you know, I had the building and I, I have the, I think I have the ability to say this belongs here and I can create it. You know, you you, you picked up a lot of things during during you know, when you're trying to develop this concept, but it was, it was, you know, some traditional foods that, you know, there was chicken Kiev and there was steak Diane, all of Brazil. And there was all these things. And I was learning about cooking at that time when we started uh, this restaurant. So I would hire chefs and really I would learn from the chefs. And uh, I had so many good chefs that I brought in that I learned from them. And by the time, you know, we got it really going, I was I was on my way. You know, we went through 
first it was kind of really kind of basic cuisine. Then it was Nouvelle cuisine. Then, then everybody hated that. So we went back to just kind of like a, our own, our own original cuisine and it worked really well. We had a, we had a great bar called the Martini Lounge, and that was where the Martini thing started for me. You know, the Martini. We'll, we'll lounge. get into the Vod Box and the Martini Lounge in a little bit, but yeah. ostensibly, are you then saying you build the menu to the venue? You have yeah. this venue set up first. You find this location. You go, oh, I know what I can put in there. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's that's my my thing that I can take a look at a building and I go, this is what goes in this building. And what are the challenges, really, when you're setting something like that up? Here you are. How old were you at the time? 23, 24, 25? No, no, it was about 28, 29. 28. And you were not a chef. You you were learning the intricacies of the kitchen. You now think of yourself as a chef, right? Yes. So, ostensibly, when you started out, though, you were getting all this knowledge just on the ground, just picking yeah. it up yeah. as you go. That yeah. took a lot of balls, excuse the expression. Yeah. You know, the first, the first I got, I hired a chef in my first restaurant. I hired a chef and I was going to, I was going to be in the front because I'm pretty good out in front talking to people and schmoozing. And so, uh, we, we, Jewish. We, we, had, we had some, we had a, 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 a night where I said, okay, let's, let's try some of the food we're going to make. And, uh, you know, he started cooking. I go, wow, man, I'm much better than you. Why don't you go out in front? I'll go in the back. And that's how I started in the back. So out of, out of, you know, I just, I, I knew I was much better than him, so I just said, Let, let's, "Let's switch, and I'll go out. Uh, I'll get in the back." And I, that's what I did. Were there any real challenges in this first operation? Something that really kind of you know held you back, or you really had to overcome? I mean, raising money is obviously not an easy thing to do. How did you no, even? How did you even get the money? That's like putting needles in your eyes. Every time you do it, it's like you know you hate to ask people. Because, you know, sometimes most of them are your friends. So I don't want to ask them, but you, you get lucky. I, I, I was lucky when I like it just happens. You know, you, you, you just kind of keep going and uh, it, it just happens as, as long as you want it to happen. And you can back up your words. I think that it, it happens for you. So. Well, ostensibly, when you when you go into this location, uh, you're now in a world that you're not too familiar with. You're also in a world of Los Angeles that is not too familiar with what you're all about. And certainly this cuisine is new into this world. So it's really kind of revolutionary what you're doing at that point in your young life. Right. Yeah, I, I think it was, you know, I was blessed with, you know, kind of uh, being fearless and, you know, willing to take on the challenge and, and uh, actually uh, so fearless, you know, fearless, pretty, pretty, fearless, pretty good with people, too. You know, yeah. so it was it was fun and it was fun, man. It was it was a ball, man. We had uh, that, those were those were some wild times in the 80s, I got to say. So but we had really a wonderful time. Well. From there, that was what a ten-year run there. Uh, Thirteen years. L.A. Nicola, Thirteen years. Yeah. So then, what happened? Then we were approached by um, Mitsui Fudasan. They were opening in the San Juan Bank Plaza, and it was a downtown L.A. Yeah, fifty-three story building, really a gorgeous, gorgeous building, and so we. Um, I decided I'm going to make the move. It, it, during that time, you know, after that run, it, it, you know, the, the riots and, and it was getting pretty tough. Um, 
I don't know. It was a really down. It was depressed time right there. So I decided to sell the restaurant and go down to the San Juan Bank Plaza. I, I don't think it was in retrospect. I don't think it was a great uh, idea. It was, you know, you have this I- ideas of, you know, this wonderful restaurant, beautiful, brand new restaurant in this beautiful high rise. Well, we did it in architecturally. It was picked as one of the five American gems in American architecture. And who did the architecture there? That was Michael Rotundi. Rotundi. At, at Roto at that time. And it was like it had like these whale bones into the ceiling and and uh, these big stone rocks. And it it was really out of this world and and really an art place, uh, art piece to to be sure. And but when we opened that restaurant, the riots started and nobody came downtown. So this is what, 89, 90? This is 90. 92, 92, 93, right? So uh, downtown was really a happening spot just before that time. That's what. Just before that. Then after that, nobody came downtown. So we stayed open for lunch and we kind of limped through it. Then I finally sold that. And uh, somebody told me about a restaurant in in, uh, Beverly Hills that was closed down, was called uh, the Milk Bar. And so I went out to see it. It was boarded up and uh, was boarded up. And I, um, I think bought it for a thousand dollars or something. And that's when Beverly Hills, that it was on Cannon Drive and it was kind of depressed. So I went in there and did all the demo myself it was two big rooms and did all the demo rest myself and rearranged the kitchen and opened it up, raised some money again for the third time and opened that up and it was there for 19 and a half years. Well, I can tell you, you were a forerunner. I had my office for years down on Cannon Drive and there was mostly real estate offices. There was some retail. Uh, there was a lot of showbiz offices, that type of thing. But really there was nothing on Cannon in, in the way of restaurants. It was mostly oh. on, on Beverly Drive and Beverly Hills or even on Rodeo Drive. And you were a forerunner to that. And now Cannon Drive, you can't touch. It's Restaurant Row, you know, yeah. Beverly Hills. And yeah. uh, we're going to talk more about what happened, you know, after you left. Uh, we'll be breaking in a little bit. But, you know, it's essentially, you know, you, you seem to have um, a background that's multidimensional operationally, but also ethnically. W- what I've always been attracted to in your cuisine is that it, it spans, um, it, it's like Pangea. You know, it, it, it's, I don't know, even know the right term for it, but you're, you're across the globe with a lot of your ideas and your cuisine, whether it's, you know, a Russian vodka or uh, Gravlax or uh, ceviche from Mexico. You, you've had some big roots in Mexico. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, um, uh, I started consulting a little bit when I, I was asked to go to, uh, first I went to uh, Arizona and did a resort and these guys, these movie people owned this resort and they were losing about $40,000 a month. It wasn't a huge resort, but that's a lot of money to be losing. So I went in there and in four months I was breaking even and cr- created a whole new cuisine for them. And that's when I really kind of went, got out of the box and was, you know, flew to destinations and go, okay, this is what we need here and started doing it. And it worked. And I actually, I visited there about a month ago and it's really nice. Yeah. That was a two back golf resort. And then uh, I got asked to go to that was uh, in Arizona. Yeah. Then I got asked to go to uh, uh, Palmia, which was a grand resort in Cabo San Lucas, world class resort. The one and, and only. Uh, the, oh, yeah. They, now they call it the one and only. And that was owned by uh, uh, what's his name? 
from Newport Beach. Uh, Don, uh, anyhow. Uh, Don anyhow, Newport Beach. Don, no. Uh, no. Uh, anyhow, it'll come to you. So I, so I, I redid, I redid the whole hotel, the food and beverage. I was the director of food and beverage operations and executive chef. And then Jack Nicholas came in to open the golf resorts, the golf course. So that was one of the first golf courses in Cabo. So I was in that whole time. And in those days you couldn't even get wine into, into Mexico. So it was difficult. It was fun. It was outrageous. And it was, you know, I, and so I, and, and I started a farm also, I started a farm about, wait a second. Did you have Nick's at the time you're operating Nick's had, in Beverly I Hills? Nicks. I had Nick's. So yeah. you're really kind of stretching it a little bit. You're operating a restaurant and you're also consulting down in Cabo, but you're, yeah. you're spending and I was commuting there back, back and, and forth. forth, back and forth. Yeah. That must've been very stressful. Because you've got and family, then, yeah. But right? they, they came with me sometimes, and sometimes I'd go alone. But I was, I was, I was traveling. I was, I was all over the place, and I and I was stayed down there for about a year and a half. And um, and uh, you know, uh, I surfed at that time, and I never even got in the water. I was working so hard. When you'd fly in and you're working, then you fly out. You just you just never had time to um, to really enjoy it. But I. But I ended up going back and uh, with, with the farm I started was really great. It was we were I was credited with starting the um, organic movement to the uh, to um, uh, upscale resorts in the Cabo area. I started a farm um, and we serviced the restaurant. And then that we from that farm, they started serving the whole all the hotels on the corridor there. So you've spent so, quite a bit of time there and you're you're wanting to surf, but you're not getting up to Toto Santos or any of those places, right? No, no, just that's frustrating. You know, but it but it was really rewarding and I I just loved the area. And then I did a Cadencia a golf resort down there. It's another grand resort. I did Are you a golfer? Huh? Are you a golfer yourself? Oh, I love golf. You do? I love golf. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. Is it is that <laughs> yeah. your is that your meditation? That's my meditation. That meditation. What do you do? What do you what do you do in the morning? Listen, the restaurant business is very stressful. So, what do you do at the crack of dawn when you're really just kind of getting your you know engine going? Do you, do you meditate or do I you go out and play golf? I mean, what I, do you do? I meditate in the morning. You do every every day. I wake up. I I get back in and meditate for you know at least fifteen minutes. So that that gets you started. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you know, it, it, it's the best 15 minutes you spend in your day, really. You know, it's it's you're doing absolutely nothing with yourself but enjoying yourself. So I think that's 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 a pretty good thing. Well, that's very inspirational. And, and that leads me into the question of inspiring people. That seems to be something that you really thrive on and others really, you know, get from you. And that's what keeps your team really um Cohesive. It, it seems to me that inspiration. Do you have inspiration from others? Have oh, you yeah, taken yeah. your inspiration from others? Is I there one person? Yeah. Is there one one person that really stands out for you that's inspired you? Not just as a restaurateur, but just in general. Is there any part? Any particular? Yeah, you 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 inspire. Oh come on, that's only yeah. when I'm lathering up. But other no, than that, you're, you know, you're such you're such a good person. And, and, and put out so much uh, good information and support that that's, that's, that, that's like really important, man. Oh, that's, you're sweet. You don't, if you don't have that, you don't, it, it's, it, you're alone. It's, 
really nice. Well, Thank you. You know, you must have taken your inspiration, maybe from your dad or whoever was first starting oh, you out in the business, you know. He was my best friend. Well, but you've got a real knack for hospitality. I think of you as Mr. Hospitality. Okay, I may be Mr. Restaurant right now. But you are definitely Mr. Hospitality. You're very warm, you know, to anybody who comes into your restaurants. And, you know, you've got great ideas and, and you exude, you know, kind of come into my space. I'm, I'm welcoming you. Not every restaurateur does that. And some people, you know, work the room from my years and they're very gruff and they don't really, you know, pay a lot of attention. But you look people in the eye and you put your arm around them and, you know, it's it's a really welcoming feeling and i think people you know like to go to your joints because of that and i think of your places as joints by the way i don't feel that they're you know fine dining you know spots nick's martini lounge which we're going to talk about after the break is really you know one of those places that you could go and you know dress up and really have that nice uh you know, martini feel and, you know, feel like you're Sinatra or Dorothy uh, Lamore. you know, I'm, yeah, you I guess it. we're dating ourselves, aren't we? But, you know, yeah. you know, but nonetheless, the, you know, I always liked that about that particular spot. You know, uh, I, I just think that one of the ingredients um, that really is an intangible in the restaurant business is this congeniality is this hospitality is this ability to have a personality that comes through in your food your decor which leads me to a quick question before we go to break because i'm dr d is telling me i got 30 seconds art art plays a big part in your restaurants and has is that correct absolutely absolutely and they're doing a book right now on my first restaurant on all the art and architecture and design we had in there you're doing a book yeah, well, somebody's doing a book, and they're 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 doing a big part, on, a big piece on us. You know, all the art and architecture we had in their first restaurant. All uh, right, hold that uh, thought because we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with Larry Nicola with Mister Restaurant. I'm Will Knox, and we'll be right back to talk about art and other things relating okay. to Larry Lorenzo Nicola.
Mr. Restaurant is a tasty new segment on The Jeremiah Show. Host Will Knox, renowned restaurant real estate specialist, serves up a fresh look at the restaurant business. On the menu, celebrity chefs, startups, operators, deal makers, designers, and those are just some of the appetizers. Look for all of Mr. Restaurant shows. Tell your smart speaker to play The Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Hello, this is Larry Lorenzo Nicola, and I'm up here in Ojai at Ojai Roti at my new restaurant. It's a Lebanese French picnic, and it's a really comfortable place with beautiful hand-selected wine by our sommelier, and we have rotisserie chicken. It's a Lebanese style with all the beautiful sides from the beautiful area of Ojai. We'd love to have you up here. It's an all-outdoor picnic area. Our goal is now to grow this concept. I've really had fun today in this show, and you've been listening to Mr. Restaurant. Thank you. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. We're back. We're back. Hey. We're back with Lorenzo Nicola, also hey. known as Larry Nicola. Larry. Hello. Thank you very much for being on Mr. Restaurant today. Um, where we left off, we were talking about art and how it relates to your restaurants. So go ahead. Talk to me. Well, well our first restaurant we had, uh, we, we opened, of course, you know, we're, we're a newbie, you know, we're just doing this. And, and this one guy kept bugging me to uh, hang his art because I had some posters on the wall. I said, well, okay, let's do an opening and let's let's bring your art down. Let's see what happens. It was ever we we got hundreds of people down there. Hundreds of people showed up. It was a really cool scene. And this the is art, Silver Lake, right? Which yeah, is yeah. Pretty the grungy. Echo Park, and it was just kind of cutting edge stuff. And and we sold stuff, and and we were busy. We got hundreds of people that we wouldn't ordinarily had in the restaurant. So it turns out we started doing it about every month. And then uh, it, it started to catch on. And then we had, we, then we opened the bar, the Martini Lounge, and we started doing it. There was a guy, Billy Poveda, my dear, dear, dear friend. Uh, and he, he, uh, he, he worked with us. Then he opened the Martini. He helped us open the Martini Lounge, or he hosted that Wednesday on the, in the Martini Lounge. So I think martinis were $2.00. And it was like this provocative art on the walls. And sometimes we had fashion shows right on the bar. And it was outrageous. And it brought thousands of people into the bar and the restaurant. And, and we were known as, as, as sort of this gallery. And it was art while you eat. And we were in several publications. And um, actually, we were on the cover of Wet Magazine. And uh, all these publications about the, all the art we had. And we had some of the great Latin artists because, the, you know, Silver Lake, Los Feliz, the area, there was a lot of these 
um, and Echo Parks, a lot of these great Latin artists. And we showed, you know, everybody from Carlos Almarez to Frank Ramiro. I mean, we had some we had some superstars there and it was in this cool place that everybody felt it was home. So, well, you know, the people in a restaurant are art. Oftentimes people go out to restaurants to look at people and what they're wearing and how they're acting. But oftentimes, you know, the food is also a a work of art at, at a particular type of restaurant, but having it on the walls and surrounding you kind of like brings it all together. And, and I think there are very few people. Uh, I can remember Peter Morton used to have just tremendous art, uh, on his walls at Morton's. And, you know, uh, I, I believe that, uh, you know, there are others that, you know, pride themselves in putting either their own personal artwork or others, you know, into play because it just adds another dimension. So oh, yeah. you're to be applauded for that. What happened you know, now? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, you, know, you know, getting back to the restaurant yeah. also, you know, I, people say, well, what's the restaurant business about? And I said, well, you start talking and then you go, well, really, it's about art and arithmetic. You know, art is the restaurant, you know, the, the beautiful restaurant, the beautiful food, the beautiful decor, you know, all, all these things. But it also has to do with arithmetic. If you don't have if you have art, and you don't have arithmetic. You're probably going to last a week. If you have art and arithmetic, it enables you it it, 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 it able you're able to sustain you know how do people say how do you stay in business this long so well you know you have to have some semblance of organization where you where you could pay the bills to to keep these walls covered with these beautiful art and serve this beautiful food and have these beautiful people walking around with all this food so it's it's really about art and arithmetic did, I think did people want to buy the art? Did you ever sell the art? Or was it ever on consignment from Oh, yeah, we sold, we sold a yeah. ton of it, and I, I have a bunch of it. Well, the most famous restaurant with art is in St. Paul de Vence, where you'd get a, a Picasso, Cezanne, or, you know, a, a, you know, any of those, you know, of the period who couldn't afford to eat, and they would, you know, work for their food. That's right. You know, and it would yeah. hang and, and now they're masterpieces, needless to say. So that was kind of the idea that you had, too. You would work with some starving artists. They put their work up and they'd sell. And I got a little collection. And you've got your own collection. Yeah. And you're an artist yourself. Is that correct? I'm painting like crazy right now. Yeah. Is it a release for you? Oh, my God. It's just I can't wait. I was going to go to bed about 10 o'clock last night. I'm really tired, too. I said, geez, I got to. Let me paint for a while. I started painting, and a couple hours later, I, you know, I, I, I keep thinking about the painting. It's like, wow. So as much as you like a martini, you like to paint now. I love paint. That's my new release. But you love martinis, which led me to the question of the VOD box. Why? Okay, you created Nick's Martini Lounge. Was it called Nick's Martini Lounge, or was it called Nick's? Of Beverly Hills. Well, it was Nick's uh, Restaurant and Martini Lounge. And then it, it kind of morphed into Nick's, Nick's, uh, Nick's Beverly Hills but with the Martini Lounge. And then, uh, but we were always known for, for our vodka. So it, it really, this is how it happened. I was, I was uh, somebody was asking me, because we had all these vodkas. They said, is there anybody that um, can take you on a tour of vodka? And I said, well, not really. So um, with my son, Luke, we started traveling to Poland and Sweden and France and all these places where all these beautiful distilleries are and started filming it. 
And, you know, from Chopin, they're flying us out there in helicopters and at these castles in, in Poland mm-hmm. and on fox hunts up near Russia and uh, all these. I'm in. I'm in. Let's yeah. do it. We're we're having the best time of our lives and, you know, learning more about vodka. So when I came back, I, I, I created this room in the back of uh, the bar called the Vod Box. It was a nine by 12 freezer. And you, I had these faux furs made and you put on these furs and walked in and drank some of the best vodkas in the world. And it really, it really saved the restaurant. Really. It really, really took it to another level. And then, and then I know I was doing all these interviews and stuff and they said something, they asked me something as well, what, what are you? And I said, well, I'm the vodka tour. And so I took on the, um, the title of, of vodka tour and I am the only vodka tour that I know of. And I'm not doing as much in vodka anymore, but I surely love a great. Well, I'm telling anyone out there in the universe that's listening to this. If, if you've got a space and, and I, I could stand behind this. If you've got a space that's as big as a walk-in freezer, refrigerator, walk-in freezer, put in the VOD box, bring in Larry Lorenzo Nicola and have him set up your VOD box because you will add to your restaurant incrementally some big time revenue because that was a ball to go in there. It was a glass wall that you could look out and you could see everybody in the restaurant and you're doing shots. And it was at that time, I guess, what, $20, $25 for four shots or something like that. You know, today it'd probably be 2000. Just kidding. But (laughs) ostensibly, you know, it was a great experience to walk in there and pretend like you were in these russian sables and put on the cossacks hats and you know uh, just literally have a great time and in a very small space and it was a wonderful concept that i think still to this day's got really great legs it was a lot of fun in addition to your legs yeah <laughs> it was a lot of fun and we really, won't go you know, there drinking vodka at, at, at 28 degrees is the that, that's what i figured it was the it was the best temperature to taste taste the vodka and uh that that's when vodka tastes the best they say to drink it warm no you drink it at 28 degrees and or take it out of the freezer pour a nice glass of vodka do you ever have vodka with ice? I mean, is that a good thing or just to keep the, should you if, just if, keep if the you bottle club cold? soda or something in it. No, but you shouldn't add ice to it, right? No. Just have it cold. Just have it cold. All right. Well, That's listen, fine. we're going to take a break again and go into what happened after the VOD box and the Martini Lounge closed because you made a dramatic move up north to Ojai. So we'd like to learn a little bit about that. We'll be right back with Larry Lorenzo Nicola. And I'm Will Knox. And this is Mr. Restaurant. We'll be right back. Get back. 
Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio, the Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday. Core Radio dot rocks. Hey there, I'm Caleb. I'm Becca. And I'm Joshua. And we, we are a girl named Tom. Go to girlnametom.com to hear more of our music buy merchandise, and learn about our story. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball. Hey, this is Tim. And this is Christian. We're L1011. Hi, this is Ron Sexsmith on The Jeremiah Show. And we're back with The Jeremiah Show. Okay, here we are, back with Larry Lorenzo Nicola, a very well-respected restaurateur out of L.A. who now bides his time in Ojai and L.A. So tell us about that. What? Why'd you come to Ojai? What happened there? Well, it's a beautiful town, and I came up here and went to Farmer's Market and visited my friend up here, and uh, he was doing bread, a very nice bread. And um, it's, it's very sought after um, sourdough. And, uh, you know, I was, I had this concept that I've had for about 25, 30 years. And it was originally, I called it picnic. And it was, um, it was something really that I've, I've been trying to really put together, but I haven't done it. It's a picnic serving rotisserie chicken, all these beautiful vegetables, nice breads and salads and things like that, but very innovative and very kind of hip uh, in a a nice way, but very comfortable. And uh, so when I was up here, I had sold Nick's Martini Lounge. And so I was up here and decided, let's let's put these two concepts together, the bread and then the picnic concept. We couldn't use the name, so we used Ojai Roti and we put it together and my partner does the bread he does the bread off site now and i i run the restaurant and his name is claude claude man claude man claude man and uh you know really very well good, respected baker well respected baker and good guy and 
so we have this 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 Lebanese French picnic that we call it Ohai Roti. So now you're back to your roots. You're right back to where you started with your yeah, grandmother. It's, it's a Lebanese French picnic. Got it. And and um, you know I, I moved from Beverly Hills and uh, threw away my suit. Now I'm the Lebanese French. Uh, I'm the Lebanese Ralph Lauren up here. I wear a, my jeans and <laughs> t-shirt and have a good time. So. Um, People say, do you like it up in Ojai? So, well, it's two minutes to golf, two minutes to get a beer, and two minutes to go on a hike. So where do you want to live, really? It's, you know how wonderful it is. And so we opened this and we're doing really well. It's it's doing well and uh, well received. And I always wanted to, you know, kind of see it in action. So we're, we're seeing it in action and the, the food works really good. The, we have a wine program. We have a sommelier, and we we have wines within seventy miles of Ojai. Oh, you don't go out of, of that neighborhood to get any other wines. You stay no, very, we don't go very to local Napa or anything like that. Very well, local. Except except we have a few wines from uh, from France and Lebanon, and the rest is within seventy miles. As are the beers, and the uh, the the only soft drinks we sell are a watermelon, like a watermelon water with the rose water and uh, fresh lemonade. And we have a non-alcoholic kombucha. We have a um, uh, Flying Ebers kombucha hard cider and a hard cider and and the restaurant wines and beers, but no Cokes, nothing like that. So it's real, we get to know the farmers up here. We deal with a lot of farmers, a lot of organic produce. And God, it's like, like what what better place can you have with an Appalachian that just the, the the produce just rolls down the hill to the restaurant. I mean, it's like pretty amazing. So in your trajectory, you go from growing up in Silver Lake and then getting your kind of legs, so to speak, in the restaurant business in this kind of gritty urban environment. You go downtown, then you move uptown to Beverly Hills. Now you're in the country, so to speak, because you're in Ojai. That's a real, real move, man. You went about 180 degrees from where you started. Yeah, yeah. Are there any challenges to operating in a small town like this? Uh, you know, I got to say, it's. We, we, uh, I think that we've been fortunate. I think this town is really nice. I think people accepted the food really well. I mean, in a small town like this, you have to show people that you're going to work hard. And, and at my age, I'm still working you're like a young a, man yeah like a like a young man you're a wiser I, man yeah not not every day do i do i feel that way but uh, I, you know i definitely um are you shooting your age yet uh no okay no. We'll, we'll get you back to 70s yeah yeah but i you know i i, I love it up here i i you know i still like i still like the crazy shit like stuff like you know my consulting we can say stuff on the air my consulting career was fun you know i i would go into the jungle in in costa rica and do a resort there and i would go to belize on the beach there and 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 create a a resort and now i'm up uh you know up here creating this up here and it's it's really really well received and i just love the experience of going into a place learning new people making new friends yeah, I've made a zillion friends up in Ojai. I mean, if you walk around LA, you don't don't meet people like you meet in Ojai. Well, know? it is a community. It's a very yeah. I can walk down intimate. the street and get something welded. I can do you know get something fixed or you know do a lot of things up here, and and, and that I don't that you can't ordinarily. So I like the adventure. I like it. we still have a house in in LA. My my beautiful wife Kelly 
we we go back and forth and, and uh it's it's fun but we're up here we can take a drive up 33 and just lose our minds so well do you think that um this concept is scalable what what about this concept really drives people to it and are you only open for dinner i think is that right or no, are you open for lunch for as well? And, and we're open for lunch. We're going to we're going to expand the day parts pretty soon. But it's expandable. Yes, it is. It's a it's a it's a concept that can be duplicated into a few locations. And it's best to keep them close within maybe it's a hundred miles so you can support the other ones. But yes, it is, and that's my plans to um, put a few of these together. And I'm working on that now, and I hope to see success in that soon so in in building something that's scalable and we're going to go take one more break i'm told uh in in about a minute but ostensibly when when you're building mechanically in your mind and then on paper and then actually in operation this first concept are you looking to really try to build something that can be rolled out did you think that this was something you wanted to roll out or was it a one-off you know concept like you'd done other restaurant concepts was this something that in your mind you'd always felt you know you could have many of these ohi rotis and you weren't you weren't thinking of it as ohi roti at the time you were just thinking as a french lebanese picnic idea right but well, what was called rotisserie called a picnic Picnic. but yes it's always been something that i wanted to do um, roll out always because your experience is always you know fine dining restaurant you know and yeah and one not, of a kind and you know and I, do, and I do like architecture too so i always like to be in interesting buildings and i think we're going to keep it at that way you know the way that we can uh get into some interesting buildings that are creative like like the one in ojai is, is a super well super yes building. that location has is it's an old 1920s uh uh, gas station, right? Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's an outbuilding, you know, where the the cars were serviced, and an in building where there was some servicing going on, and you know, it's a huge patio, and I think people love the idea that it's a community that you're serving, and it's non offensive food, and it seems to be extremely well received because the price points are well received. Yeah, you know, it's not yeah. super expensive. You don't need to make a reservation. You can drop in. But we're going to talk a little bit more about all this scalability and the business aspect of it after we return from our final break with Larry Lorenzo Nicola. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back on Mr. Restaurant with Will Knox. i 
check out Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi there, everybody. This is Ann Hitch. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hux from the band Everclear. My name's Danny Dreho. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Jeremiah, your loved home. you need help with your restaurant or hospitality business, see how we can help your business at hjlrestaurantadvisors.com. Hey, this is Jeff Stunk Baxter. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. You won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Welcome back. I'm Will Knox, also known as Mr. Restaurant, and I'm with Mr. Congeniality, Mr. Hospitality, and a Mr. Restaurant unto himself, Larry Nicola, also known as Lorenzo, to those who are getting to know him really well and personally up in Ojai, where he spends a lot of his time, but not all of his time, but he has developed a concept called Ojai Roti, um, and Tell us a little bit more, Larry. We, when we were talking at the break about the scalability, when you're you're building this brand, uh, how did you first come up with the name? I mean, you were calling it Picnic, and then how did you pivot out of that? Because Nick is a play on your your name, Nicola, yeah. and and I get the Picnic idea. Uh, but why didn't you keep the Picnic idea? Well, there was a, there was a there was another concept up here that had a, a, a name Le Picnic. So it was just too. Also simple. in L.A., there's a restaurant called Picnic. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, and so we decided we better just find a new name. So uh, Claude and I sat down and 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 we came up with the Ojai Roti, and uh, it see it, it works really good because I think that Ojai is as a, as a destination is is it's it's good food. It's it's peaceful. It's it has a lot of connotation of something that special you know so it so it works really well for us it's a good come from and um you know i think that you know i think the the work we put in and i think that it's been it's it's been no easy feat you know the first we opened for eight or nine months then there was COVID for two years so it was it was quite a challenge we didn't know what was going to happen well nobody knew what was going to happen but luckily we had we moved all of our seats outside we had very little seats inside so we moved everything outside and just opened uh for to go in the beginning and then started serving outside spacing everybody out and it's and it's uh, it was kind of set up for success i don't know we were we got lucky well if the we patio had- is a big uh, landmark 
you know, for yeah. you and, and big calling cards. So in future restaurants, is that integral? I, I can remember when I was doing a lot of the early Hard Rock Cafe uh, site selection and, and that real estate, I was very fortunate to work with Peter Morton and get my my own mentoring from him. But ostensibly, what we did with the Hard Rocks, we didn't replicate and have them look like cookie cutter yesterday, you know, type restaurants or, you know, Fuddruckers or, you know, TGA. He never wanted to do TGI Fridays, but he always wanted elements to be in there. But no two restaurants would ever look alike. In your particular case, are you saying that there's a certain uh, backbone that'll always be there, like the rotisserie chicken? You're able to see the rotisserie yeah, chicken. Yeah, the, element, the elements, there's like, you know, five or six elements that'll always be there. Such as? You know, well, uh, such as the out picnic tables, such as the rotisserie, such as um, DG. I'd like to see DG in all of them. Like, you know, DG, it's kind of like, like ranchy. What, like, uh, what is DG? A, a decomposed granite. Decomposed granite for those of you who are not in the country like Lorenzo Nicola. <laughs> and, you know, we have we have a kind of a, a ranch fence. Uh, Bougainvillea uh, is, is really important for our for our color, you know, we have. Uh, so, if you went to cash, Poland, okay, all, all of trees. All if of trees. you if you were out in the middle of nowhere, let's just say in Poland, someone said, "I'd love to do an Ojai roti in Poland." That's pretty uh-huh. far, pretty far fetched. I get it. Or even Kansas City, you would say Bougainvillea, even in the dead of winter. Somehow, you'd make the feeling of Ojai. Uh, be evoked in the architecture and the ambiance. You, you, I think let, let, let's put it this way: ranchy, okay? Ranchy. You might you might have to use use another color, a new uh, uh, plant. But the, the ranchy, like the tile on the roofs, the uh, the metal we use, the fans, the fence, the DG, the um, the colors we use. We use a flint and and a, like a light beige, and uh, and the, but the picnic tables. The picnic tables and, you know, if once we get to maybe the next one, there's some art specific art that I want to use that we haven't used yet. And that's that will, that will be ready for the next one. And where will the next one be? What's your intention? Well, I'd like to see something in, you know, the east side of Los Angeles, you know. Going right back to your roots, you know, right? You're going right yeah, back where it all started. Yeah. yeah that's I full so. circle, man. I think so. Well, in, in, in finding that location, which is not easy, you need a patio particularly, right? Yes, we need a patio. So for anybody listening out there, if you've got a restaurant site, you got a patio, call Mr. Restaurant or call Larry Nicola at Ojai Roti and somehow let him know that you've got something available because he's looking and you're on, you're on a path to really build a lot of these deals, right? Well, we'll build a few. Okay, yes, so when yeah. you when you have the idea of building one and then going to number two, those are internally financed or are those with outside financing? What's the best case scenario for you? We hope to finance the next couple with the same group so we can keep that growing because the idea is to have one supporting the next. If you have too many different companies, you can't share the, the, the resources. So if you have if you have one company that's bigger, you can share the resources that way. Also, you can have a commissary kitchen that supports the others. If they're all independently, uh, independent um, 
companies, it's really hard to do that. It's really tricky. So I think it's better. I think the next step would be good to, to, to put the company together to really uh, stay together for a few. So you would like to build the next location with a big enough kitchen because the one in Ojai is a small, very tiny thousand square foot building where your kitchen is you can't do a lot it's made us be it's pushed us to be work harder and and be successful so you're successful in spite of the space yeah it's 1100 square feet i mean inside so in in the next location if you can build a, a a restaurant with that kitchen as the hub and the uh-huh. other restaurants will be the spoke uh then ultimately you could say I might do three more in that in this location where the kitchen could basically serve two or three other restaurants. The the kitchen yeah. could act as that that heart yeah, and soul. Yeah. And then from there you'll bring in another round of financing hopefully and and grow this thing into a a much more scalable and and known brand, right? The people. Yes. And that's and my that's my vision. That's your goal. Yeah. And that was your vision all along for 25 yeah. years. Yes. Well, I got to tell you, Larry, it's really been a pleasure being with you today and, and hearing about all of this and particularly your life and the trajectory. And, and I'm really, really touched that you spent the time with me. I, I have one real final question to ask you, and that is, other than the inspirations we talked about and getting revved up in the morning, you know, um, what advice would you give for a young person who's starting today that has the desire to go into the restaurant business as a concept guy or person, uh, uh, an operator they want to own, they want to operate, and they want to grow it? What advice would you give that person? I, I would say, you know, get some advice because a lot of people have the wrong idea to open a restaurant. They just want to open it because of a romantic idea, you have to really be willing to put your back into it and, and, and have, you have to have some background. You have to hire somebody that's got some background, a financial planner or a lawyer or somebody that's been in the business that kind of helps you. Cause a lot of people, if, if you had, if you had, 30 different people come up to me and, and ask this. They, they want to open a restaurant and they could, I could talk to them for 10 minutes. I could tell you in two minutes whether they should be opening that restaurant or not, because they have to be careful because money is hard to come by and, and people don't want to lose their money. Oftentimes so, you get one shot and, you know, yeah. 90% of the restaurants fail. So, you know, coming out of the box, you better have your group together, your money together, your your whole attitude together. And I, I would think your best advice from what I'm hearing is get good advice. Get good advice. If you have to hire somebody, do it. But don't don't sail alone if you don't know what you're doing. Larry, thank you for this time. It was just really a pleasure. And I'm I'm just really touched that you gave it to me and Mr. Restaurant because your time is very valuable and you're a very valuable asset to the restaurant business. So, My brother, I appreciate you very much. Thank you. You know that and I love you very much. And thank you. It's a pleasure being on with you. Well, let's share the love. All right, brother. All right. Thank you very right. much. Over and out, everybody. This is Will All Knox, right. Mr. Restaurant. We'll see you next time on The Back Nine and In the Grotto. All right. Bye-bye. One, two, one, two, three.
day I walked down the street I used to wander Yeah, I shook my hand and made myself a bet But there was all these things that I don't think I remember Hey, how lucky can one man get? Brush my shoes and I hum from the rearview mirror. Brush the admiration in a blind spot of regret. There was all these things that I don't think I remember. Hey, how lucky I can't want. This is comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to The Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves and to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Be sure to check out our very own Richard Dugan, a.k.a. Dr. D, Peabody Award-nominated radio show. Tell me your story every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound and engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. I'ma put my guns in the ground I can't shoot them anymore That cold black cloud is coming down This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, The Jeremiah Show. I love you. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.